you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. And then we're going to also read from 27 through to the end, uh, which is verse 31. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom and to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. And now I'm going to read from verse 27 through to 31. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I'll show you a still more excellent way. Hi, all uh, West Weekly Watchers. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you all. My name is Lee Diprose and I'm uh, one of the elders at uh, City on the Hill West. And it's my privilege today to share with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on the matter of spiritual gifts. Recently, I, I was heading along east, along the Westgate Freeway towards the bridge when I noticed one of the huge new single trunked electricity pylons that forms part of the new extensions. One particular pylon on the left caught my eye. It appeared from a distance to be skew-if and to have a lean. Take a look yourself. Next time you're traveling along the freeway, uh, just look out for the pylon, but don't run off the road while you're looking. The slide of the pylon could be an optical illusion. 
But for somebody who's brought up with straightness, it looks a little off and uh, a picture of poor workmanship. In a way, it's like the Corinthians' view on spiritual gifts. It was a bit off. Their views and their actions had leanings. They leant towards highlighting the gifts above the giver. Now, I remember that trend. I was pastoring a brand new church in the western outskirts of Brisbane years ago, and we underwent a painful divisive split because a few people regarded spiritual gifts as more important than the gospel, more important than the atoning death of Christ. Their overemphasis on gifts was such that it was, uh, well, it caused a carrying out of bullying, uh, manipulation, and many unkind and savage words were said. It caused untold hurt and division. And it was only the forgiveness of the Lord in latter years that really uh, rectified a lot of that. But it was a terrible leaning. People actually leant um, towards their own experiences and their own feelings, and they put those ahead of the word of God. Now, Paul is concerned here in 1 Corinthians 12 about that kind of stuff. He's concerned about misinformation and misapplication that was featuring among the Corinthians. Now, still today, uh, evangelical Christians have divergent views and leanings. Disagreements exist amongst evangelicals as to the existence and the definition and continuation of, of certain gifts, even the order of certain gifts. This makes any discussion on spiritual gifts usually difficult from the outset. Ignorance, neglect, confusion, abuse, and misuse of gifts can easily occur. In the midst of our divergent views, it is important to remember how God has graced his church with gifts and how he's made his church an interdependent body and given it an array of gifts for the benefit of the church. So with this diversity of gifts in the church, it's important that we show love, that we show tolerance and gentleness. If Christians dogmatically insist on their views and impose them on others, then that can precipitate heartache and division. I think it's better to be joyfully grateful for what God has given us. When it comes to the matter of gifts, Paul opens up 1 Corinthians 12 with the words, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. Uh, he's hinting that there's an anomaly in the, in the Corinthian church regarding gifts. He goes on, you know, and he makes the point here that in their non-Christian days, they were impoverished. They were led away and astray to following dumb idols and deities who couldn't communicate and couldn't make anything really known to their worshippers. He goes on to say, therefore, I want you to understand, in verse 3, I want you to understand, and he's making a contrast here to the mute idols, where there was no communication, to the spirit now, where there is communication. Now, there are some things which the spirit will communicate and some things which he won't. 
But one thing that he does do is he helps us to declare that Jesus is Lord. So he's saying to us, from go to woe, the matter of spiritual gifting features the leading, enabling, and empowering of the Spirit. It's via the Spirit, with the Spirit's help, that great blessing can come to the church. The anomaly with the Corinthian church was that divisions and factionalisms had arisen. We saw that last week from uh, chapter 11 in verses 18 to 19, uh, where in discussion on the Lord's Supper, mention is made of that. The result of that was disorderly worship. The Corinthians' gifting had more to do with what they had than what they could give. It was more on about, they were all more on about themselves than others. Consequently, the congregation's worship lifestyle was badly affected and it featured the matter of inconsideration. Gifts were being wrongly used. What the people needed to do, they needed to start thinking corporately rather than individualistically. One thing we do know from the scriptures is that God-given gifts are never meant to be a sign of individual spirituality. That can give rise to pride. Spiritual gifts were given by God for the well-being and unity of the church body. We see that in verse 27. 1 Corinthians 12 is not really about the gifts. It's about the unity of the church as the body of Christ. The same thing is borne out by other writings of Paul, particularly in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 1 to 6 and verse 13. Uh, mention of the gifts there is preceded by the mention of unity. And the passage also highlights the goal of unity uh, in being faith and knowledge. Paul's highlighting of the church's unity is possibly why it's hard to define the gifts that are mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 12. Maybe it was never Paul's intention to explain them. The Corinthians undoubtedly knew what Paul was talking about because there was a variety of gifts that were operative in the congregation. The problem is not the existence of gifts, but appreciating the origin and reason and point of the usage. They needed to appreciate that the Spirit of God was the instigator and also the activator of their gifts. In verse 7, it says, It is the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So our giftedness is wholly the Spirit's choice. It's not ours. We may ask for a specific gift, but it is the sovereignty of the Spirit. It is the Spirit's sovereign decision as to whether we receive the gift or not. He apportions to each one of individually as he wills. A gifting requires, therefore, submission to the Spirit and, I think, satisfaction in the Spirit. Satisfaction with what he's given. I wonder whether that's your emphasis as you walk in the spirit. Paul goes on and says, when it comes to wisdom, it is uttered through the spirit. Knowledge is known through the spirit. A special level of faith is credited to the spirit, not the person. If a person has the gift of healing or exercises discernment or brings a prophetic word or can speak in unknown languages like tongues or can interpret what uh, tongues means, 
It is a result of the Spirit's doing. For the Corinthians, and for us, using our gifts necessitates being filled with the Spirit. That means operating under his control and direction. Our submission to the Spirit needs to be in the knowledge that there is nothing in all creation that does not come to us as a gift. So with our dependence, with our dependence on the Spirit in usage of our gifts should come gratitude and thanksgiving. The apportioning of gifts by the Spirit is tied to the, the wonderful oneness given and enjoyed in Christ, in the church and in the body. This means our church relationships, our operations and our ministries should be featuring what we have in common together by way of belief, not our different giftings. The way we hold to and exercise our gifts should be highlighting our oneness and unity in the body. Superiority or inferiority or competition shouldn't be there. Having gifts and using them is all about complementing one another, not competing with each other. Complementing another's gifts is what enhances God-given unity. So we need to be on our guard lest we get caught coveting others' gifts or making comparisons of our gifts with what others have. Sadly, the Corinthian church was caught up in comparison. There were those that were emphasizing the fact of having esoteric gifts. Our God-given gifts were never meant uh, as a measuring stick of our spirituality or maturity. All were they given, nor were they given for spiritual one-upmanship. So here is this wonderful oneness which we have as God's people. That oneness is to be known in the diversity of gifts. The Corinthians had a diversity. Because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 7, they lack no spiritual gift. Now, any good, healthy, vital Christian congregation is going to be saturated with diversity. Take the makeup of uh, City on the Hill West. We have a range of different backgrounds and different personalities and different giftedness. Uh, so among us is a rich plethora of people and giftedness that we can value. We can see people making different contributions. And, and those contributions are being made uh, regardless of upbringing or nationality or culturalism or previous church affiliations. So the present and ongoing need is how to preserve and how to foster our oneness and our unity. I suggest three things. Firstly, see that God has baptized us into Christ's body by his spirit as a gift of grace. Secondly, esteem, encourage, and empower others in the usage of their gifts. And the third thing we can do is know and use our spirit-given gifts for the sake of others, not for our own sake. Whatever we do, make sure we're not torpedoing the unity of the church. 
I remember when I was 20 years of age and uh, a untaught, a young untaught Christian, and I had an experience at Esperance in Western Australia. I call it my Esperance experience. I was shearing sheep for the pastoralists and graziers company so as to earn enough money to go to Bible college in Adelaide. Of a weekend, I would leave the shed out in the, and the surrounds out from Esperance and go to, to uh, Esperance and then go to church. At the time, there was a strong charismatic influence going on. It was all the rage. Specific gifts were being pushed and emphasized by both the pastor and the local Baptist church and a group of dedicated followers. A couple of them got hold of me and uh, gave me some tutoring in proof texts from the Bible respecting knowing a second blessing, a baptism of the Spirit, accompanied by speaking in tongues. They then arranged for a special prayer meeting in a farmhouse. I distinctly remember the feverish questioning and the prayers of people as they came laying hands upon me and trusting God that I might be given the gift of uh, speaking in tongues and being baptized in the Spirit. I remember very distinctly uh, people running around the room after they'd been imploring God and saying, have you got it, brother? Have you got it? The whole atmosphere was a bit rattling and uh, I really wanted to run. It was so pressurized, but I felt also obligated to stay and see it through. Well, something did happen. I began to rattle off a whole lot of gibberish words and was duly congratulated and applauded by the people in the ring. On reflection, I think I was psychologically influenced and pressurized. But what was disturbing was the hyped atmosphere and the adulation of the gift of tongues above the gift of salvation. Even more disturbing was how the groups uh, had, uh, or how this particular group had a disregard for the unity of the church. The whole event was carried out in secret. Many in the congregation knew nothing about this particular meeting in a farmhouse. Sadly, in time, the church split over the misuse and abuse of uh, the gift of tongues. Now, over the years, I've observed Christians' woodenized opposition to spiritual gifts, and I've observed others hoisting their gifts on others. Both detract from the oneness we have in Christ, and more often than not, precipitate devilish division. And what drops off, drops off at such times like that is love and care for one another. If you read verses 24 and uh, verse 25, you'll see the importance that our gifts uh, are to be exercised in the body for one another's care. Now, there will always be a diversity of gifts, but in and among that diversity, it's best for us to be a good listener and learner of each other. This is what Helen and I came to appreciate while training in an interdenominational Bible college. There was lots of different, differing opinions and, and viewpoints and experiences. 
But in that diversity, we learn to appreciate that in and within that diversity, there was a touch of heaven on earth. Reading further in 1 Corinthians, we see Paul featuring the makeup of the human body in order to show the interdependence and interconnectedness of the church body in verses 19 and 20. Whatever our understanding is, whatever our gifts are, we need to see that it's within the church and it's for the church and the gifts are for the church's ministry development. You read that over in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 to 13. So it's important that we identify our gifts or gift, we thank God for them, and then we put them to good use. Continuous giving and usage of our gift must be for the benefit of the church, for the sake of the other. So keep on expressing your gifts or gifts, and don't suppress them. The gifts are not yours, they're not mine, but they are there for the loving enhancement of the church's unity. Now, if you use your gifts and you use them without love, then that's pointless. It's like banging a saucepan with a jam spoon. A church's growth needs to be dependent upon the usage of gifts. It relies upon such, but those gifts need to be exercised with love. Read 1 Corinthians 13. Read Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, or 1 Peter 3, 8, and you see the importance of love. And the importance of love comes because God, in his loving action in the cross of his son, has actually loved rebellious, hostile human beings like us. And then not only done that, but he's poured his love into our hearts through his spirit who's been given to us. So we are wonderfully blessed. Now, with your giftedness, let me encourage, let me encourage you to go on loving one another. Keep on um, using, well, take the legendary uh, words of AFL footy coach John Kennedy, who was known for saying, do something. My encouragement to you today is do something. Do good to others with your gift because God has lovingly worked on you and worked in you and giving you gifts to actually display and uh, exercise his love towards others. So looking at this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, may you be blessed and may you be used by God. And that we uh, look to the Lord Jesus for his gracious enablement in doing so. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.